Welcome all to an emergency edition of the Three-Eyed Hog cast. I'm your host, the Three-Eyed Hog. I'm very glad to be back with you tonight. Um, I've been a little bit cold on the hogcasting game lately. Some things gearing up in my real, uh, you know, day-to-day life that have kept me from uh, giving you guys the content you deserve. However, tonight is a special night that calls for a special hogcast, and I am more than happy to deliver that to your front doors for uh, your Friday commute. Um, As you all know, Chicago Bears, Dallas Cowboys, Thursday Night Football, both teams 6-6. Cowboys on a bit of a slide right now. Bears winning two straight and three of four heading into tonight. Uh, so, you know, we uh, we had a big one slated for, for this evening. Uh, and that is the impetus for the Three-Eyed Hogcast Week 14 edition here. Uh, I just wanted to talk through uh, all the feelings I'm feeling about my Bears going into the weekend, going into a big game the Lions visiting the Vikings, the Rams in Seattle, give you a rundown on the state of the NFL and talk you through all the scenarios we're going to start seeing going into week 14 here. Uh, so to get started, we walked in tonight, 6-6 six and six Dallas Cowboys visiting the 6-6 six and six Chicago Bears. Now, there's a couple reasons why this was absolute free money to bet on the Bears plus three. There's a couple reasons. I wish I, I shared it on my Twitter account, at Brisket. Uh, if you don't follow it, now you know. But uh, there's a couple reasons why this was golden free money. Number one, it's simple enough. The Bears are hot right now. They're hotter than a, than, a, than, a, than a Dutch oven on a stove kettle that's been sitting while you and the boys went out for a couple drinks and forgot to turn the stove off. They're hot, searing hot. Okay, after a win against the Giants and a huge day for Mitch on Thanksgiving, uh, that's all you need to know. Mitch is feeling confident, and a dangerous Mitch uh, is a dangerous situation for opposing defenses. Okay, so not only just the recent success of the Bears, but there's a couple statistical measures that would have given you a pretty clear look at, hey, betting Bears plus three tonight is absolute free money as much as I've ever seen in my life. Number one, earlier today, Mitchell Trubisky announced as the FedEx Air and Ground Air Player of the Week for Week 13 for his 338-yard performance, three touchdowns against the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving Day. Now, if you had followed the uh, the Three-Eyed Hog, a.k.a. Air Brisket, on uh, the old Twitter.com, the best website on the internet, you would know that heading into tonight, reigning FedEx Air, Air and Ground Players of the Week are 9-3 and three straight up in the following week. And Mitch, tonight, became the first quarterback of the season to head into a game as the underdog coming off of a FedEx Aaron Ground air performance of the week and win the game. Now, why Mitch was an underdog in this game against the Cowboys, I don't know. I don't understand it. 
but the lack of a, a high valuation on the Chicago Bears just because the popular fake news media hyped up the Cowboys for the first three weeks while they went 3-0, etc., etc., after the Cowboys have lost two in a row to the AFC East. I don't know why the Cowboys were favored. I can't tell you what the Vegas odds makers were thinking other than the fact they clearly missed out on the truth of the situation here. Now, if I was a Vegas odds maker based on my analytical models, based on the statistical regressions I'm running on a weekly basis to make my gambling picks, I would have told you the fair line for this Bears game was somewhere around Bears minus 8.5. And I still would have hammered it there, obviously. However... They set it at Bears plus three, and we we capitalized. We absolutely capitalized. So uh, there's that. You know, we failed. The Vegas line maker odds failed to take into account Mitch coming off of FedEx Aaron Ground Air Player of the Week, and the fact that they're nine and three straight up in those games coming off of that performance. Third factor, boom! A little Bears history for you. Let me paint you a picture. Early December 2013, Bears in the playoff hunt. They're sitting at a, a pretty 6-6, six and six, just like tonight. Cowboys sitting at 7-5. They're coming to Soldier Field on a Monday night for Monday Night Football back in 2013. A quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys back in the day, Tony Romo, heading to a frigid Soldier Field. It's 10 degrees or below at kickoff, Okay. Now, this is early December 2013, Soldier Field Monday night. Now, what was going on in that evening? Well, I'll tell you. The Mike Ditka himself was being honored at halftime of that game. Now, it's an often made quip about uh, these types of games, made often by you know a certain barstool big cat, that in games where a team is honoring a former legend of their franchise, such as Coach Ditka himself, the team performs quite well, historically, and goes on to rout their opponent. Well, on this uh, on this December night back in 2013, Josh McCown gets in there for an injured Jay Cutler, tosses four yuddies. Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall go for over 100 yards each. And the Bears beat the Cowboys on Monday Night Football on a night where... The stadium did not serve light beer. The state I repeat, the stadium did not serve light beer. And the reason for that is it was too cold in the stadium to serve light beer because as they poured the beer into the plastic cups, the beer froze prior to the patrons being able to drink said beer. So they had to serve only heavy beer instead. Now, this is a frigid December night in 2013. Bears win 45-28. Josh McCown, four touchdowns. Now, heading into tonight, you could extrapolate those results into a prediction that says, hey, the Bears are going to score a lot of points and win the game, and Mitch is going to throw for somewhere between four to six touchdowns, and the defense is going to play well, maybe not as well as we think, but the Bears are just going to have this wrapped up early in the third quarter, a la... That frigid December night in 2013. So, three factors there. Bears are hot, number one. Number two, 
Aaron Ground Players of the Week don't lose coming off an Aaron Air Player of the Week performance. And number three, historical results tell us that the Bears would dominate in this game. Now, what happened tonight? What happened? So the Bears come out of the gate hot, not. Dallas gets the ball first, goes on an eight-minute drive down the field, churning clock, 13 plays, something like that, getting the end zone on a Zeke touchdown run, late in it, and we were feeling deflated, right? You take all the momentum and energy out of this game early on. Well, not so fast, my friend, because Mitchell Trubisky had an, a look in his eyes. And if you, look, if you watch the game, you know the look that I'm talking about. The glare, the slight head tilt downwards. He stepped onto the field with about seven minutes left in the first quarter after that Cowboys drive, looking like a man on an absolute mission. So the Bears drive down the field. Mitch, ill-advised underthrow to Anthony Miller in the back corner of the end zone, gets picked off by Jordan Lewis, the former Michigan Wolverine. And things didn't look too hot starting off. Now I'm going to take a break there. We'll head back into the, the turnaround in the game right after this quick note from our sponsors. Our number one sponsor for tonight, on the note of the frozen beer from earlier, the no light beer served at the stadium. Well, tonight it was sitting there pretty around 40 degrees at Soldier Field. So they were able to serve light beer. And which light beer were they serving? Well, none other than great taste, less filling, official beer of the Chicago Bears, Miller Light. Miller Lite, great taste, less filling, official beer of the Chicago Bears. Anyways, that's our first sponsor. Uh, pick yourself up some for this weekend. Get a couple Friday beers in you, a couple Miller Lights. I will permit it starting at about 4 p.m. tomorrow, today, depending on when you're listening to this. Number two sponsor for the night is my good buddy Mikey Meatballs. Now, Mikey fries up the best meatball in town. And Mikey loves his meats. Uh, Mikey, this one's for you, buddy. Bear down. Okay, back to the show. So after that uh, Mitchell interception, things were looking kind of tough. Dallas takes over inside their own one-yard line. They end up picking about five, six yards up and uh, punting it away. So the Bears take over again. A couple minutes left in the first quarter. Down seven. And what does Mitch do? Mitch goes down the field. The Bears matriculate the ball down the field. Get to the Dallas 10 or so. Mitch throws a strike to Allen Robinson on a slant pattern for the first Bears touchdown of the night. Things look good. Things only continued to look good. Throughout the first half, on our way to a 17-7 lead, Mitch led three scoring drives, including that first touchdown to Allen Robinson, a field goal in the second quarter, which Eddie Pinheiro rarely converted. He did well. He was 15 for 20 on field goals heading into that kick. We were all a little nervous after everyone saw in that Fox pregame show around 7.39 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They showed a zoom on Eddie Pinheiro in the pregame show, and he shanked one about uh, 12 yards left, I would say, by my trained eye. So things were not looking good in the pregame. Eddie's warm-ups did not look good. But, hey, he came through on the game. He knocked that kick through. We were up 10-7, took the lead early, and never relinquished it. 
You know, late in the second quarter, Bears drive again. Mitch is running around a little bit, which is nice to see. Something I've been saying for a little while is Mitch is the best when his legs are working well for him. Mitch is an, an agile, athletic quarterback. And when he can get out of the pocket and when he can start to run a little bit, it makes the defense start to draw those linebackers down into a spy, uh, into a spy technique into a, into a, a defense that's covering the flats actively because they need to account for a running quarterback, and that just opens the middle of the field for him. So he was working that a little bit. You could see he was confident running the ball tonight, nine rushes for 64 yards, and that touchdown later on, which we'll touch on. And then Mitchell goes on, dumps it off to Anthony Miller in the flat. Miller does the rest, takes it in the end zone. 17-7 Bears going into half. Now, as we're at halftime, let's let's take a step back and let's start to consider uh, the implications of tonight's game in the grander scheme of the NFL and NFC playoff picture. So, Bears heading in tonight, into tonight, six and six. Los Angeles Rams, who have the head-to-head tiebreaker against the Bears, seven and five at the seven spot in the NFC. At the sixth spot in the NFC. The Minnesota Vikings, after getting shellacked by the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football, they're sitting at 8-4. So there's two games between the Bears and the Vikes. Right now the Bears have the head-to-head over the Vikes. Um, And then the the number 5 seed is going to be either Seattle or San Francisco, and they're probably going to get in with something like a 12-4 record at that 5 seed. Um, so let's, for the, for the sake of this analysis, let's just take a look at the representative population of three teams. That is the Chicago Bears at 6-6, six and six, the LA Rams at 7-5, and five, and the Minnesota Vikings at 8-4. and four. So what we're ultimately concerned about is how do the Bears get into the playoffs? And let me tell you how. The Bears don't control their own destiny, but we damn near control our own destiny. The Vikings after that loss to Seattle, set us up very well for a playoff run. Let me tell you why. The Bears get in with any combination of of these things happening, and you can count the losses where they may lie. The Rams must lose two games. They play Seattle on Sunday Night Football this week, and they play San Francisco again before the end of the season. Those two games are going to be really tough for them to win, despite their shellacking of the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday in the 4 p.m. slot. Those two games are going to be very tough to, for them to win, especially with Seattle and San Francisco still competing for home field advantage through the playoffs. Let me remind you, the last time Seattle and San Francisco were in the playoffs together was the old Richard Sherman game when he was on the Seahawks. San Francisco heads up to Seattle. Kaepernick throws a ball in the end zone at the end of the game. Sherman breaks it up. Home field advantage played a huge role in that game for Seattle. So don't expect either of those teams to easily relinquish that home field advantage. So those two teams are going to be playing hard till the end of the season. Thus, I see the Rams losing both of those games as a very realistic possibility, which puts them at a best 9-7. and seven. There's your Los Angeles Rams outlook. At a best, 9-7. and seven. Seattle and San Francisco are going to play good football against them. Now let's take a look at the Vikings. The Vikings sit at 8-4 and four right now. They have four games left. Their games entail matchups against the Bears, the Packers, the Lions, and some other team. Who cares? So what needs to happen 
and what I believe will happen. The Packers take on the Vikings in two in three weeks, rather, week 16. That ends in a decisive victory for the Green Bay Packers. They're the more talented team. Rodgers will oust Kirk Cousins any day of the week. I'll always bet on Aaron Rodgers over Kirk Cousins. And the Packers go on and beat the Vikings something along the lines of 31-21 to in Week 16. I don't care what the Vikings do against the Lions, an unnamed team to be named later. But it would be nice if they dropped the game to the Lions or unnamed team to be named later. I'm too lazy to look up their schedule right now to see that fourth team that they're playing. Note that this is a fully live recording. There will be no cuts. And I have minimal research in front of me. I'm merely speaking off the cuff. However, back to the point. Vikings lose to Green Bay. Vikings have a Week 17 matchup against the Bears, which will decide all. Now, the Bears, how do we get in the playoffs? Well, number one, we beat Dallas tonight. Number two, next week we beat Green Bay in Lambeau. Number three, the following week we beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Sunday Night Football. Should be an easy going. As we know, Mitch is a superior quarterback to Patrick Mahomes through a number of statistical measures, of which I will be happy to detail on my Twitter page. Number four, the Bears at nine and six go into Minnesota at ten and five, week seventeen, a playoff spot on the line. If the Bears win this game, we own the head-to-head tiebreaker over Minnesota. If we win that game, we get in as the sixth seed, given those two Rams losses. And you fill in the rest of the story. You do the math. So the Chicago Bears going to Minnesota, get the victory against the Vikings at 10-6, and six, make the sixth wildcard slot, play the Green Bay Packers in the wildcard round. Now, I'm not going to force you to bet on that outcome with a bookie that will give you the line on the current Bears playoff odds. However... If you're smart, if you have a brain unlike the Scarecrow pre-Dorothy arriving in the land of Oz, you bet on the Bears making the playoffs. If I'm not making a compelling enough argument, please reach out to me and tell me why I'm an idiot because I don't believe it to be the case. So that's why this Dallas game is such a big deal. It is step one of four on our journey to the playoffs. Anyways, coming out of halftime, Bears up 17-7. Mitch keeps being Mitch. He goes on to a 277-yard performance. Again, unedited. I'm off the cuff here. Three touchdowns, including a third-quarter strike to one Allen Robinson. Now... And on that drive, we had thrown two to Javon Wims, who had a matchup against Jalen Smith in the back center of the end zone. Javon was unable to pull down either catch and also seemed to injure his right knee on the second of such attempts. Now, we're thinking about you, Javon. Hopefully, you get better soon. I think you're one of the, the bright spots for the future on this team, and I think you're underutilized. So, Javon Wims, get better soon. But on that third play, Mitch... To Allen. Touchdown. Allen had two touchdowns on the day. Allen had a hell of a day. Allen put up numbers. And as I've said continuously throughout the season, 
whenever the Bears step foot on the field on offense. Number 12 on Chicago is the best player on the field every single week. With the exception, perhaps, of when we played the Los Angeles Rams, Aaron Donald probably ousted him in that regard. However, in every other game we've played this season, Allen Robinson outmatches any defender that is put against him. And giving him the ball in jump ball situations, on slant routes, etc., is truly going to deliver us to the promised land this season. Mitch needs to keep continuing to find him. Later in the fourth quarter, Bears up 24-14. Mitch, zone read, pulls it. Defensive end crashes. Mitch goes ducks, dives, dips, dodges, and dives and dodges through the defense of Dallas, which was ranked as, I will note, the number eight defense in the league heading into tonight. We shredded them apart, including on this Mitch Trubisky long touchdown run. Final running stat line, nine carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Mitch had a great game. So the Bears go on to win 31-24. Dallas, Jason Garrett continues to kick field goals when he should score touchdowns. This is not my problem. I'm happy that he's an idiot. It's good for us. So... Jerry probably won't have a, or uh, Jason Garrett, rather, probably will not have a job by this Sunday. Saying that now, um, Jerry is very fed up with Jason, especially after the third consecutive loss. The Bears sit at a pretty 7-6 and six after the Rams lose to Seattle this week. That puts us in line with them. Maybe Minnesota loses to Detroit in Minnesota. Let me run some numbers on that. And we're back. Just ran some quick numbers. I said this was an edit-free hogcast. I lied a little bit. I just ran some numbers right there. Since U.S. Bank Stadium opened just over three years ago, the Detroit Lions are 2-1 and one in that stadium. They are an absolute thorn in the heel of the Minnesota Vikings when playing at TCF Bank. I predict it is highly possible that the Lions go into the bank, beat the Vikings, putting them at an 8-5, and five, even if not 9-4, and four, and as I've detailed earlier, giving the Bears a very good chance at the playoffs. So with that, if I haven't changed your mind about betting those Bears futures, I don't, I don't know what will. Uh, we had a huge win tonight. The Bears are back. Mitch is back. Now, one thing I'll say before signing off on this abbreviated emergency hogcast is Mitchell Trubisky has never been the problem this season for Chicago. Sure, the guy makes a cringeworthy throw here and there. Sure, you kind of wish to see a little bit more from him in those situations where potentially Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have delivered historically. However, I believe it to be unfair, A, to directly benchmark Mitchell against those two peers simply because they're in the same draft class as him. They're obviously highly talented quarterbacks, that being Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And they've had prolific careers from a statistical perspective so far. We've all seen the side-by-side-by-side graphic of Watson, Mahomes, and Trubisky, etc. 
I think the more suitable test would be to benchmark Mitchell against his more general group of peers, which is the NFL as a whole. Now, Mitchell, in games that he started, 7-5 and five this season, 11-3 and three last season, 18-8 and eight as a starter over the past two seasons. Look, for as much as you hate the guy, I know a lot of Chicago fans can't stand his guts, but he's a winner, and he's a competitor, and his fans and teammates stand behind him no matter what. You talk to one player on the Chicago Bears, look at an interview that a player in the Bears has done where the subject of their faith in Mitchell Trubisky has been breached, and I guarantee you you will find a player whose all of his chips are on the table with Mitch Trubisky in a quarterback. They all love him to death, and that's the mark of a good quarterback. That's the mark of a quarterback who's going to be successful moving forward. So the problem's never been Mitch. I question Matt Nagy's play calling at times. You look back, you hearken back to that San Diego game in week seven. Seven? Seven. The Bears ran 29 plays in the red zone. 29. Now, as I said earlier in the Hogcast, Allen Robinson, most talented player on the field, best player on the field, constant mismatch. How many times do you think a team like New Orleans with Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara or maybe the Giants with Saquon Barkley or maybe, oh, I don't know, Seattle with giving Russell Wilson a chance to roll out of the pocket. You look at the teams that have players that are constant matchup nightmares and you think about the number of opportunities they would give their best players in the red zone. You think out of 29 plays, hey, maybe like 10 plays would go to that mismatched player. Well, Chicago Bears, week seven against the Chargers, San Angeles. Out of 29 red zone plays, give Allen Robinson one singular target. Now, that's not a Mitch problem. That's not an Allen Robinson problem. That's a Matt Nagy problem. So... As much as Matt Nagy was told that he was a wizard all offseason for winning coach of the year, going 12-4, and yada, yada, yada. Look, the guy has taken an aggressive step back. You talk about Mitch's regression, I would talk about Nagy's regression. I would talk about his third down play calling regression, that speed option against the Rams on third and one. I would talk about his red zone play calling regression the entire game against the Chargers in which we had the ball four times in the red zone in the first half and were forced into three made field goals. I think that that is the regressive story to talk about, is the play-calling prowess of a guy who was lauded as the play-caller of our generation and has clearly under-delivered this season. Now, honestly... I think Mitch is covering up for some of his blind spots with some of the plays that he's been making lately. Mitch has been finding one-on-one matchups. Mitch has been making plays with his feet over the past three weeks. These are things that a great quarterback does. I'm not calling Mitch one of the great quarterbacks in the league, but you can't deny that in the past three weeks, his performance has been a shining star, whereas the play calling, maybe, I don't know, is it, as, is it some sort of magical turnaround for Matt Nagy? I don't believe that to be the case. But keep your eye on Mitch for the rest of the season. 
I think he's the quarterback of the future. I think Mahomes and Watson are doing great things. But if you look at Mahomes and Watson's winning percentages to this point of the season, especially. So here's a story. After Mahomes loses to the Patriots on Sunday in the afternoon slot, Mitch Trubisky over the past two seasons has a higher winning percentage than Patrick Mahomes. You could say it's the defense. You could say it's Nagy. Look, quarterbacks are judged on wins and losses, and when Mitch has a better winning win-loss record than his immediate peers against who he's judged, I would say that that is a fairly solid mark of his prowess as a quarterback. So, all in all, that's your high-level overview of how I'm thinking about the Mitch Nagy situation. We walk through the game. We walk through the playoff scenarios. We walk through our sponsors of the week. Shout out Mikey Meatballs. That's a good ending point for the Three-Eyed Hogcast. Week 14 edition emergency Hogcast. Wait a second. Three-Eyed Hogcast, week 14 preview edition. We've got a couple huge games on the slate. I just talked about Chiefs-Patriots. I'm going to hammer the Patriots this week. I would recommend that you do the same. Tom Brady has looked like doo-doo in the past couple weeks, but but look back at that game they played against the Chiefs last week on, or last year on the big stage. Not just the playoff game, but their game on Sunday Night Football. Tom, prolific performance. They put up 40 points. Uh, I think the Patriots offense gets a kick in the ass tonight, and I think or this Sunday, and I think the real key is going to be Sony Michelle to get the run game going. Uh, Chiefs are not as good a team this year as they are last year. I like the Patriots in that one. Other games this week, we got Ravens-Bills, huge marquee matchup in the 1 p.m. slot. Ravens heading into Buffalo to face the Bills. Everyone's so hot on Lamar right now. I like Lamar. He's a, he's a blast to watch. Don't get me wrong. This Bills defense is something that we saw on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. We saw Matt Milano making plays. We saw that D-line. We saw Ed Oliver, who is an absolute problem at the defensive tackle position. Ed Oliver is the best non-Power 5 player to come out of the draft in a very long time. He played at Houston. I think the Bills' defense is going to disrupt a little bit of that Ravens' rushing attack. And the key to beating Lamar at this point, a lot of people, experts, pundits, etc., they're talking about, oh, you got to take Lamar away and let Mark Ingram play. Oh, you got to, you know, etc. What's your strategy against Lamar Jackson? Like, stop letting him run? I don't think that's the key. Look, the Bills' defense is going to disrupt this run game. I think a lot of penetration on the inside is going to occur. You got an injury on the inside of the Baltimore offensive line. Uh, and I think you got Ed Oliver, who's going to disrupt a lot of things with that zone read concept. And you got some linebackers that play downhill for the Buffalo Bills, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano. If you if the Bills get into a scenario where they're able to make Lamar, they're able to force Lamar to beat them through the air, I don't think Lamar is as prolific a passing quarterback as people are giving him credit for right now, despite his numbers. If you take away that run game, which I think the Bills are going to be able to do, you're going to be able to stop Lamar. So I like the Bills to keep it close in a low-scoring game in, in Buffalo. Uh, potentially win. Other good games this weekend, we got Niners-Saints. 
1 p.m. slot, two 10 and 2 teams in the NFC going at it for potential uh, playoff positioning type of matchup here. Uh, Saints at home are tough to bet against. I will tell you that much. Saints at home are tough. Uh, the Niners have lost two great teams this season in the Ravens and the Seahawks. But the Saints are tough to bet against. I like the Saints. I like the Saints. Healthy Alvin Kamara. You know, throw the ball to Michael Thomas a little bit. If you got an offensive line, is more well-equipped to handle the 49ers' defensive front than many this season. I think Eric McCoy and the combination of Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick at the tackle positions are going to be able to deal with uh, those defensive ends and kind of that rotation of D-tackles that the Niners have boasted all season and make this into a game that the Saints are able to control up front. And I think the, the Niners haven't faced that really all season. So I like the Saints in that. Other games, I already gave you my Patriots take. I think Tom Brady heats things up again. I think the run game for New England uh, really starts to support him. And I like the Patriots. Seahawks-Rams Sunday night. Seahawks by a billion. Uh, Jared Goff falters in primetime games. He's trash in primetime. Uh, ever since, other than that game last season against the Vikings, week four, when he threw for a buttload of yards, that's Kirk Cousins in primetime. So you get horrible primetime player one against horrible primetime player two. Okay, it's a crapshoot. But you get Russ Wilson in there. He's going to L.A. Sunday Night Football. Hammer the Seahawks. And that pretty much does it for relevant games. Uh, I like the Titans right now. Tannehill's playing a good brand of football. They're playing downhill. They're a mean, nasty team. They're winning ugly. But uh, that'll do it. That'll do it for the 3 Out Hogcast Emergency Edition. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, like, subscribe. I got a lot of notes about, hey, the 3 Out Hogcast was my top podcast of 2018 on Spotify. Wow. I'm honored. Thank you for your support. And, uh... Welcome to Bears Playoff World 2019. We're going. We're going to play in Lambeau. We're going to beat the crap out of the Packers for the second time in Lambeau in four weeks. And uh, and that'll do it, folks. Have a fantastic Friday. Have a fantastic weekend.